0: This is the Virgin Radio Pridecast with Alex Milsom
1: and Shivani Darve.
0: Hello, happy Friday, and welcome back to a festive edition of the Virgin Radio Pridecast. I'm Shivani Darve.
1: And I'm Alex Milsom, and if you haven't been here before, this is the show where we take a weekly look back through the Virgin Radio Pride archives, reliving some of our pop-up radio station's best moments.
0: And most importantly, trying to continue the conversations which we started over the summer.
1: I have to stop you here. I was going to say stop the press, but actually we don't want the press to stop. We want the press to keep coming in. Please, if you're listening and you are in the press, keep it coming. But... um This was quite fun. We found out on Sunday, which is kind of apt because it is in the Sunday Times, that we were a pick of the week in the Culture magazine. How cool is that? So cool.
0: I mean, I don't read the physical paper, so I didn't get like a little magazine copy. I just
1: flung a picture into the WhatsApp group. Exactly.
0: Exactly. That's all you need these days, really. I'll just print it off and stick it up on my wall.
1: Yeah, well, you'll be pleased to know I did quickly run into the office and just go into all the floors and find the copies and nick them so there is a copy hanging around for you. So that's very exciting, You stole
0: it? me a newspaper, Alex. Uh, they're all
1: for free anyway.
0: <laughs> that's <now. laughs> so sweet. You stole you stole the newspaper for me. It's almost like you love me. Oh, well,
1: I don't like it that you're using my ability to uh, jump into the world of crime to decide whether I value you as a friend or not. But anyway... I'm taking
0: it. I'm taking
1: it. <laughs> now, as you might have gathered, if you've been outside at any time in the past couple of weeks, or even if you've turned on the TV, Christmas is coming. Whether you like it or not.
0: So class is coming to town oh, no. <laughs> should i stop that christmas means celebration and if there's one thing i can say about the lgbtq plus community it's that we sure do know how to party
1: and sing mariah carey by the sound of it but since the pandemic and social distancing have restricted celebrations and parties for a while now we thought that we'd have a virtual office christmas party right here on the podcast and i've checked santa's list you're all invited
0: so get your best or worst Christmas jumper on, pour yourself a glass of something festive and join us as we celebrate everything about the queer scene.
1: Let's start by taking a trip to Bournemouth in the mid-80s where my Pride Playlist guest and king of the London queer scene Simon Levan first discovered the thrill of going out.
0: And what a thrill it is.
1: (laughs) And I chose this because it's kind of the first time I
2: went into a nightclub and I felt comfortable in a nightclub. And that nightclub was called the Midnight Express in Boscombe in Bournemouth. Um, in a very salubrious part of Bournemouth. It's probably much nicer now, but it wasn't very nice then. And I tried going to, like, big straight clubs like um, uh, the Academy in Boscombe, yeah. uh, which was kind of smoked glass and, you know, chrome fittings and a very sort of meat markety, if I can say that. You know, all the lads stood round the outside of the dance floor. All the girls were dancing. Sticky carpets, mirrors. And it, well, it was clean, but, you know, it was, <laughs> uh, it was very sort of um, of its time. And they did run a gay night... Uh, At the Academy in Boscombe On on Sundays called uh, Bolts, I believe it was called Uh, And this is kind of uh, Mid 80s, early to mid 80s And I was convinced if I stood in the queue To go into Bolts that my entire family For some reason would drive past in a minibus (laughs) And see me and I wasn't even out to myself Then Um, But I DJed at the youth club and I loved Disco music and I loved dancing And all that sort of thing And uh, there was a lyric of a Pet Shop Boys song um, which came out much later than this Called Can You Forgive Her mm. And it's uh, She may you some kind of laughing stock Because you dance to disco And you don't like rock And that really When I heard that lyric for the first time I thought that's me in the youth club Kind of dancing to disco And then a rock song would come And I'd be Yeah I dance to that as well Because it's not just disco I like um, But yeah The Midnight Express Was one of those places Where you walk in and you go This is my kind of club They played jazz They played soul They played The Clash they played grace jones so uh, that's why i've chosen it and and it was one of those places you could dance like no one was watching because no one was and you could be yourself it wasn't necessarily a gay bar i don't think but it had that sort of vibe
0: i've totally had that feeling you know when you're doing something that you're like fully allowed to do but you have that feeling that you're not supposed to be doing it worry that your parents are going to catch you so Simon, you know, worried that his parents might drive past while he's queuing up for the club.
1: In a minibus.
0: <laughs> 100% can relate.
1: Oh, no, I know that feeling. It's um, it's sort of like, <laughs> although this is uh, the virtual world as opposed to the, the real life world, it's sort of like pulling out Tinder for the first time and going mm. like, oh, my family are going to... Th- because when you're growing up and you hear people talking about online dating, you're like, oh, my God, that is where boring old people who can't meet people in real life go... And then here I am downloading Tinder for the first time. You know what? It's great fun, actually.
0: I completely had that. Like, I remember being sat in my living room... Back from uni in summer holidays, and swiping through Tinder to see who's in my local area. And my mum just looks over and was like, "What are you doing?" I was like, "Playing Temple Run, playing, <laughs> playing a game on my phone." Yeah. She was like, "Can I see?" No, no. This was my first died. time.
1: No, this was the first time that I went to GOI. That was my first ever gay bar. My friend Sean took me there, and I just remember that walking through the first time. You're like, "Oh no!" What happens if people see me? Despite the fact that at this point I've lived in London for how long, and I'm pretty darn out but all of a sudden i'm like oh people see me go to a gay
0: bar yeah it's like this weird feeling that you can't shake but when you do first step into a gay bar and the spirit of beyonce mariah nikki whitney they all take over your soul oh my
1: goodness and if you you know you go into one of the venues I, i've probably named dropped it already If you go into one of the venues and you see the music videos on there, you're like, oh, my God, this is my music. Do you feel like it's your place?
0: Exactly. It's like all of the songs that you've been trying to discreetly listen to on Spotify and trying to, you know, name your playlist so that nobody will suss out that you've got a a playlist full of just Taylor Swift songs. But actually, everybody's (laughs) in the club partying as hard as you are to 22 or Shake It Off or any of her bangers, to be fair.
1: I was going to say... Shake it off is absolutely my go-to, but yeah, it's that feeling of like you've you found a place. I, I, fun enough as Simon said, I, I can Simon dance the disco. <laughs> I can dance the disco, but I am pretty darn bad at rock. <laughs> so <laughs> it appears that I found my place, the Midnight Express.
0: So music is obviously integral to the scene. We've just been looking back at how it was for Simon in the eighties, but what about the future? Let's hear again from DJ and drag superstar Jody Harsh on how the dance music scene is changing today.
3: And and also in in the in the in the dance music world it is um over the past 20 years it's been a majority you know white straight male led it yes. just has. Um but of course dance music, well house music and disco was predominantly black, queer and um and latin. Mm so um sort of like reclaiming that a little bit yeah not reclaiming it but you know it's it's i definitely think that the dance music um, industry in general um is is opening up a lot more to to things that aren't just white straight male you Mm. know there are loads of amazing female djs out there there are loads of amazing queer um djs and producers out there who are being given who are being given the spotlight that they deserve now Mm.
1: um and that's great It's quite nice that we've got those scenes, you know, those places that are ours. How far we've come from queer nights that were just, you know, oh, it's on a Tuesday. No one goes out on a Tuesday. It's a spare night. The bartenders or the bar owners are trying to earn a bit of money all the way through to actually, you know, oh, let's have queer venues that we can all have a great time at.
0: Yeah, like a space just for us.
1: Yes, our space.
0: I love it. And I love what Jodie Harsh was talking about just there as well for like, the dance music scene particularly has been, it's its a genre that was basically, you know, built and developed by people of color, LGBTQ plus people, and largely for a very long time, none of those people were really getting recognized for their contribution to the scene. And I love that now we are celebrating those people, the, the progress that they've made in this scene, the like music that they're making, they're getting the recognition. They're getting the recognition. They deserve
1: it. It's great. Like, you know, um, we, we, we've spoken plenty of times in previous episodes about the importance to know our history. And it's just really nice to know that even in like really localised areas of the queer community, like the dance scene, they are still recognising the sort of people that built the foundations that our music today is based on you know you just have to look through the amount of music that's in the charts now that is based off of you know samples from the 70s 60s 80s i <laughs> don't know why i didn't do that well, what in, did you do order. It in that order <laughs> <laughs> like, i might as well have just gone 90s 40s 20s and 10 but we're recognizing the importance of like our history and bringing our music today with it in mind you know i've had some absolutely amazing gigs and nights out and you know it's it's actually typically the 80s music that gets me onto the dance floor quickest
0: Is it? Yeah. Don't
1: you want me, baby? Actually, we shouldn't sing too much because we're going to have to give royalties.
0: Not when you're singing like that. Don't worry about it, (laughs) darling.
1: (laughs) Oh, well, that was harsh.
0: (laughs) Jodie (laughs) Arsh.
1: Very, very good.
0: (laughs) I want to link it back to what you were saying at the start of this, though. This little conversation that we were just having about um, having our own queer spaces or LGBTQ plus venues and the importance of that, the stepping into that and having a place where you can explore your identity, your gender, your Mm -hmm. sexuality, like just be creative in expressing who you are and, and toying with all these different ideas of who you might be. And then I read something actually quite sad that since 2006... Almost 60% of LGBTQ plus spaces in London, which is supposed to be, you know, the most diverse space Mm -hmm. in the UK, at least, (laughs) have gone. Yeah. Almost 60% of them since 2006.
1: It's just expensive having having venues like that. It, it, It is expensive. And also it's like, well, it is really difficult there's no mass market for them like you look at how many of the main clubs that are owned across the uk by those big groups you know you you can pop down one street in in london and then you can pop down one street in bournemouth and you can pop down another street in cardiff and another one in glasgow and they're all the same brand because they're all part of this massive massive network not a conspiracy network that sounds like i'm trying to be some sort of conspiracy theorist but those venues
0: yeah, like, it's not a city unless it's got an all-by-one, is it?
1: Uh, it's not a city unless it's got a prison, quite frankly. <laughs> <laughs> or a pop world. Although a pop world, is that a queer venue or not? We, we could no. get into the debate. And that's we, That's our entire next week's episode. I'm joking, of course. But, you know, it's those are really expensive venues to upkeep. And it's just such a shame that they're not getting the support.
0: Yeah, I think there is more and more support being made available. I think, you know, like the introduction of the Nights are, Amy LeMay has been really keen to push that. Um, LGBTQ plus bases, uh try and get the support that they need and she's been really vocal in saving the Royal Vauxhall Tavern which is now a grade two listed building in like Woo. a institution in its own right like mm-hmm. it's an incredible Absolutely. venue but it's so sad to see that like walking down the street you know you can go on tours in Soho and people say oh well here there used to be this and now it's like a
1: Now it's (laughs) flats.
4: Well, it's not
0: flats in Soho, but it's probably like a coffee shop owned by a Starbucks or something like that. (laughs) Um, It's sad to see because it's part of our history that is sort of being erased. Yeah, it's it's erased because
1: it's too expensive to keep.
0: But also some of of the memories that we might make in the future won't have the opportunity to be in places like that. You know, if we get rid of all of the queer venues because it's so expensive to keep them and developers want to make whatever else they want to make with that space where are we going to go are we going to end up having to go to Piccadilly Institute
1: no club zoom I are just gonna uh, uh, those in actual fact the importance of those virtual spaces during the pandemic was was quite quite paramount but it is such a shame that those spaces you know the, the history I want to be able to take my kids down the street and be like ah, your dad got absolutely plastered there like that is kind of that is kind of what I want to have or what happened to you know drag my mum to to London and be like I'm going to go gay Bar
0: (laughs) yeah exactly those are the kinds of memories that I want to be able to make but we can't do that if those places shut down yeah and it's so inaccessible to be able to to create more spaces and make up for all the almost 60% of the ones that we've lost
1: I know 60% that is such a shocking stat isn't it
0: should we crowdfund (laughs) should we do a GoFundMe for an LGBTQ plus night space
1: how much do you think that's going to cost
0: well That's what I want. I want that increased representation so that we can have bars and clubs and cafes and spaces for people who are women who like women or men who like men or, you know, like specific groups within that of people who like certain types of things to do. I just want to be able to see that, like, increased representation and recognition, which is, you know, what Jodie was saying is happening in the dance world.
1: But. Some other parts of the scene just don't seem to quite have caught up yet.
0: In a bit, we're going to be examining some of the areas where progress still needs to be made with the help of some of Virgin Radio Pride's guests, of
1: course. First, though, here's Daryl with your Virgin Radio Pride weekly update.
3: Thank you, first this week. It's claimed anti-LGBT hate crime numbers soared this summer to the highest level since the beginning of the pandemic. Between January and August this year, more than 14,000 homophobic hate crimes were recorded in the UK. During the same time period last year, there were almost 12,000. The National Police Chiefs Council has promised that police will always pursue action against perpetrators. Madonna is urging everyone to embrace all faiths and rituals this festive season. The star dressed up as an elf and decorated a Christmas tree with her children. Posting on Instagram, she says, This Christmas we should be more focused on giving than receiving. The reboot of Sex in the City and Just Like That was released on Sky Comedy yesterday and is now available to stream. Samantha Jones is the only character missing this time around after actor Kim Cattrall decided she wasn't taking part. We've been speaking to Candace Bushnell, whose books Sex and the City was based on about what she initially set out to achieve.
4: Really, my mission is for women to be free to think in a completely new way and to not accept the things that society tells them. So that has always been my goal.
3: The Reboot has 10 episodes. I'll be back next week.
4: Thanks,
0: Daryl.
1: Now, Sivani spoke briefly just then about the need for progress to be made in some areas of LGBTQ plus scene. If you want to achieve full equality, in our queer spaces
0: and someone who spoke brilliantly on that very issue on virgin radio pride over the summer was manchester gay scene star roisin murray
1: have a listen to what she had to say about the lack of focus on women and non-binary people in the scene
4: yeah i mean i i grew up in cambridge so uh, it's a very small town so there was no gay scene there i didn't think i i didn't know if there were any gay people or any other lesbians there so when I moved to Manchester, it was just like a massive eye-opener and it was just beautiful. Uh, I mean, as the years have gone on, um, I felt that, especially for for women, for queer women, for gay and lesbians, uh, females, I feel sometimes Canal Street and also uh, sort of gay areas across the UK, I feel, I've always felt that they kind of cater towards the, the, the male of our rainbow family mostly and i especially noticed this when i when i decided to start what she said club uh, back in 2019 i mean it all came about cuz i have a great group of male gay friends they're brilliant i absolutely love them but i don't really know many lesbians or or many queer females to be honest so it was it was uh, an, an all dayer on canal street and i was just hanging out and i realized i was looking up and down canal street and all i could see were men and um, and straight women and I was just like, wow, this has got to change.
1: So Shivani, what has your experience been of you know the lack of representation of women and non-binary people in queer spaces?
0: I like completely understand everything that Roisin's saying there. It's you know the main bars and the main clubs that we go to tend to be run by men. They tend to be full of men. And that's great, you know. I know some men. You're a man. I like men. I don't hate all men, just some. But
1: this is good. It, Thank you.
0: It's it's just that there are very few spaces where queer women and non-binary people can meet other people like them, mm-hmm. other queer women and other non-binary people. And for all the same reasons that anyone would go out to a nightclub, we want to do that. But also just experience that by being surrounded by people like us similar to us
1: yeah of course
0: and yeah, it doesn't sound like that's too much of a stretch to house. like everybody understands why there are gay bars and there's one lesbian bar in the whole of London which is outrageous I was going
1: to say you know it feels like we've all had that moment when we've moved to a bigger scene I started off in Humber Beginnings in Canterbury and that didn't really have much of a scene it did, it did have you know clubs like it had a bar and it had night and i was like wowed by london i thought brilliant london's going to be this place where there is everyone there one lesbian bar in london
0: and it's so funny it's run by a man and it's literally underneath the ground you have to go underneath a shop and you go into this basement and it looks like a world war ii bunker with like corrugated metal all around the sides and on the roof it's horrible but you know it's the only place to go so obviously it's full whenever it's open And I'm going to be barred from that, aren't I now, for saying that it was horrible. (laughs) I, I mean, what I would like to see is just a greater range of places to go.
1: Of course. Of course. Actual having choice.
0: Yeah. And it's not just that. It's like, you know, in terms of people go to different bars and different clubs because of the music or because, you know, one club is really good at making a cocktail. The other one is really good at giving you cheap beer. I and happen to know
1: a good place for all of those places that you just mentioned. <laughs> <laughs> Hit me up afterwards. We'll go, go out straight
0: after this. But like, <laughs> it's one of those things that there is absolutely no... Ver- there's a monopoly on this market right now and it's in the middle of Soho. And if I'm being honest, there's not a lot else to do around Soho. So I can't see that it's very inclusive and welcoming. And also, if we talk about accessibility, this is this place is downstairs, mm-hmm. very small staircase, that is going to be limiting to certain people to be able to access this space. And when you do, it's like got this really weird dynamic of, I'm so going to be barred from this club. <laughs> it's got this dynamic of, you know, like, 18-year-olds who have just been able to use their ID for the first time and come out to their first bar and they know who they are, which is way more than I knew at 18 because I had no idea I was gay, woo <laughs> But it was, um, you know, 18-year-olds at the bar sort of having their first drink, getting drunk on half a pint, and then you've got, like, 50-year-old lesbians in the corner who are like, oh, I've been coming here every day for the last 20 years or whatever, however long it's been around. When
1: I was your age, yeah, we it- didn't have one of these. <laughs>
0: exactly. But they did. They, no. ha- they used to have so many more. And then one after the other they've just been closing down
1: i notice that quite a lot of gay spaces there are loads of straight women kind of taking the space do you also see that in your one venue in london
0: (laughs) my one venue that i am now banned from um (laughs) weirdly no Hmm. there doesn't tend to be that same presence in the one venue in london But what I have noticed is when going to spaces that are, as opposed to gay bars or lesbian bars, sort of just welcoming of all LGBTQ plus people, the women in those places, a lot of the time will also still be straight. And Mm -hmm. what happens in in those spaces is if, you know, a woman or a non-binary person hits on one of those straight women, there's often a bit of disgust or a bit of alarm, a bit of shock. Like, no, 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 I'm not gay. I'm Ugh. not one of these people who I'm surrounding myself by by choice. It's kind of like, it, it makes you feel really vulnerable in that space when something like that happens. And it's happened multiple times, not just to me, but to friends.
1: This it should be your space. That's the thing. And yeah, that's quite shocking. But having said that, I took my friends to think the pink, some of whom are straight, What? Yeah, I know. I know, it's sacrilege. I'm so sorry to anyone who's listening and wasn't able to get tickets. Um, Yeah, because me and my straight friends stole all of them. I kid, of course. Only a couple. But I took a couple of straight friends to sink the pink because I wanted to invite them to my space. But before we went out, I had pretty drinks in my flat and I said, right, you're coming to a queer space. This is a queer venue with lots of queer people around you. Some of them might find you attractive and they might try and hit on you. But don't be scared be respectful i was giving them a pep talk
0: you gave them a pep talk it's like you were about to go out on some sort of sports field with them and like try and win a tournament or something like
1: yeah it you kind were... of was like i was hyping them up yeah. being like right okay we're gonna be sensible today
0: okay team we're gonna play we're okay, gonna we do our scrummed. best out there we scrummed there. over you, the d- table you did not scrum <laughs> of
1: course i didn't but uh, you know it would have been great but it's like, <laughs> it is i just realized that i've actually told my friends specifically Don't be offended if someone tries to hit on you because you are in a queer space and this is what happens in queer spaces.
0: I find it really weird, though, you know, going out in London as a non-binary person. I remember trying to get into a bar in Soho, actually, and I tried to get in and it's sort of predominantly, it's an LGBTQ plus space. They've got a nice, big, inclusive progress flag outside their venue rightly so but i tried to get in and i could see that there were women inside there was a woman inside with a sash and little crown that said bride to be and um, that was fine i thought she likes kylie i like kylie it's all good vibes here tried to get in the bouncer said oh you're you're a girl go down the road to the lesbian bar and i was like no i'm not a girl i'm non-binary and if i wasn't non-binary I'd be a woman thank you very much what is this infantilizing language but I'm I'm not a girl I'm not a woman I'm non-binary this is supposed to be an inclusive space for me and he said well we're full no no girls allowed and I was like I'm not a girl and I can see girls in there I can see women straight women in there and he goes yeah but they came in with their boyfriends so because they brought a boy with them it was okay and I was like you're having a laugh
1: Is this a 1980s ball?
0: It's so bizarre. It can be really hard going out in like places that I see as more gay rather than queer.
1: Yeah, of course.
0: Because if I was out in Dalston, that definitely wouldn't have happened. So that's my experience. Roisin's obviously told us about her experience feeling like there's not enough space for LGBTQ plus women. But we're not the only people who seem to feel like we're sometimes being left out when it comes to the queer scene.
1: This is a clip of psychotherapist Zaina Ratty, who also spoke to Matt Kane on the Sunday Roads and Virgin Radio Pride, talking about just that. Here, have a listen.
5: I, I um, was on the steering committee for an Oxford Museum exhibit called Queering Spires, and we spoke about the um, queer history and places to go in Oxford, um, there have been places that have that have been in Oxford, and they weren't ones that necessarily accepted POC bisexual women. Um, so I didn't go out. I didn't socialise at all.
2: Can I just? Sorry, I don't want to interrupt, but can I just um, ask what form did that non acceptance take? Was it dirty looks? Was you know what? How did you?
5: Yeah, so it's disparaging remarks. It's you know you don't belong here. It's I look, I'm straight presenting, so people would question my sexuality, um, and you know when they when those types of experiences happen to you, you you don't go back. You don't go. Oh, I know. I love being had a go at, so I'm gonna go and have another pop. And you know, I think what what we can do is we can look at. Um, Sober spaces. So Oxford Pride run a sober drop in. You know, a lot of socialising is around alcohol. And if you have had previous alcohol or substance misuse issues, you don't want to go into a pub or a bar full stop. So we need to look at maybe blending events. So looking at virtual events like we did for Oxford Pride alongside in-person events. We need to make sure that venues are accessible for all. Is there a lift? You know, if, if there isn't and the the venue is down lots of steps in the dark, there's going to be people that you are excluding. If you are not being actively inclusive, then you are being passively exclusive.
0: I mean, that's a mic drop moment, right? If you're not being actively inclusive, you're being passively exclusive.
1: I don't really know how else to follow it up. I just, I can't agree more. You know, there's all things that venues and we as individuals can be doing to just be more inclusive. I don't have anything more to add. It's just...
0: I think, though, that's something that you can, like, apply to so much within the LGBTQ plus community, right? Mm -hmm. So um, there's obviously issues to do with alcohol and substance abuse and, and... Exclusively having events in bars and clubs might be triggering for people who struggle with those kinds of issues. And then there's disability issues of physical accessibility in a space. But then there's, you know, asexual accessibility because the asexual community is still part of the LGBTQ plus community. They're Mm -hmm. in the plus, but they're still there. And with so much of queer culture being surrounded by who's pulling who and hooking up with who in a nightclub or... Yeah,
1: I can attest to that. Thanks. (laughs)
0: I just think that, like, with so much focus on that from our community... Of
1: course, yeah.
0: It can be really hard for certain people. And then we're, we're like, not even considering ageism, where... Gen Z are the queerest generation yet. There's always a poll or a stat that people like to pull out. I don't have it to hand. But there are reports that I've seen that say Gen Z is the queerest generation yet. And they have massive numbers of people saying bisexuality and gender fluidity within that age group. And they can't even drink yet. Where are Gen Z LGBTQ plus people going to be hanging out?
1: I don't know if I am actually technically Generation Z, but I'll cling onto it anyway.
0: I tell people I am.
1: Good. I'm actually 45. <laughs> Brilliant. It's glad to know that you can still go out on nights out when you're at this age. Um, it is really disappointing, though, that there weren't really those spaces growing up young. There were, like, the, you know, school discos. But I don't exactly think my year six school disco was really an opportunity for me to come out. So No, maybe not. <laughs> didn't really have that. So there's this gap of just social spaces between that kind of, like, the year six disco versus your first night out at uni. Where there's this gap that you don't really have venues to properly be yourself. I had forums on Reddit that I'd go to. Yeah.
0: That was my way out. I think a lot of it does come online. When I'm scrolling through TikTok at night or in the morning or let's face it, pretty much all hours of the day when I'm not talking to you, Alex. <laughs> it I see so many like really cool, really sure of themselves, people who are young, who are definitely, you know teenagers who have either just been able to start drinking or have have not yet reached 18 to be able to start drinking because the algorithm just sends you stuff. And um, I just think there's this really huge community on TikTok, but where are you actually going to meet people? Because nothing can replace the physical being in a space, meeting somebody, having a cup of tea, having a cup of coffee, laughing at, you know seeing a pigeon flying off with a banana, whatever weird things happen. Is you that don't... what you got up to? No, I saw that happen today, actually. <laughs> <laughs> so my brain. <laughs> That's okay.
1: Okay, sure.
0: It's just like, how do you form relationships with people when you're just liking and commenting on videos and as opposed to actually living life and experiencing things?
1: Yeah, it's not meaningful connections that you form. But we're also talking about ageism here, but I was listening to that clip and I've listened to other clips and thought about this. Uh, the amount of venues that I, I go on nights out to that aren't wheelchair accessible, I actually can't name one. I can't go, here is the, the venue that is wheelchair accessible, like the bars, the toilets are downstairs, or the actual venue itself, like the bar you mentioned in Soho, the lesbian bar, is downstairs. You know, all of those venues are just inaccessible to people who have physical disabilities.
0: Yeah and that's like then you know people who might be slightly older who don't like loud music people who might be neurodiverse who also don't like loud music or flashing lights or or strobing light effects like all these kinds of things take place or happen in gay bars and it's not exclusively gay bars but we do as a community lgbtq plus community say that we are inclusive and we are
1: that's the big word we always use isn't it we always say about how inclusive we are yet for some reason we can't have people that fit outside of the queer norms inside our venues because they're kind of either deliberately or just people not willing to actually put in the effort because it's expensive or just you know just too much effort to have people in the spaces and so when you see documentaries on on, on uh, queer disabled people having difficulties forming relationships it's probably because the venues that we go to when we're older don't actually have any disabled people in them because they are physically restrictive
0: yeah so despite all the progress being made there's still clearly a lot of work which still needs to be done to ensure that the places that lgbtq plus people can go to and celebrate themselves are accessible but also welcoming to all
1: we could go on all night, quite frankly, talking about that. But unfortunately, that is just about all we've got time for on this Pridecast this week.
0: Thank you so much, as always, for listening. Remember that if you've got anything you'd like to say, we would love to hear from you. You can get in touch on Twitter at Virgin Radio UK using hashtag Virgin Radio pridecast.
1: Or if you're feeling retro, oh, emails. Hey. Uh, you can email us using pridecast at virginradio.co.uk.
0: We'll leave you with a clip from the legendary Scissor Sisters star Jake Shears who proved to Steve Denier that the queer scene is still very much expanding with the launch of his very own nightclub.
1: And on that note, we'll see you next week.
2: And you were telling me a moment ago just before we started that you're opening your own club this very weekend, aren't you? Is this in New York City?
1: Yes, Q Club in New York City. Um, We are opening uh, tomorrow. Wow. Um, super. Yeah. Super excited. I can't believe it's going to be the biggest gay club uh, in Manhattan. So it's it's super exciting. Yeah. It's I can't believe I never thought that I would be part of you know a nightclub, but it's fun to sort of put energy back into the world that sort of shaped me. Yeah. you know? It's I don't need, I don't know if I would be the person that I am without um, New York nightlife. So hopefully it'll be a space to influence and inspire others.